Welcome to It's a Code World, your digital marketing podcast. This podcast will give you practical insights on how to better digitally market your business, be more organized, and get more customers. Hey, how's it going? It is It's a Code World, episode 27, with my buddy Tyler. Introduce yourselves to the, the people at home, Tyler. Hello everybody, my name is Tyler Hanna. I'm the co-founder of the Minneapolis creative agency, 8-Bit Rex. Just a, I guess, I'm just gonna shoot out some fun facts yeah. about myself, if that's cool. Go for it. So I am a carnivore at heart. My top three favorite meats are <laughs> filet mignon, barbecued pork ribs, and smoked beef brisket. And for the longest time, my favorite color was orange simply because I have a color deficiency. Uh, makes like graphic design and marketing really hard. But now I've, I've changed my favorite color to, I think I'm a blue guy. Blue's, <laughs> blue's good. Nice, okay. Well, my favorite meat, I like that lamb meat that they, I, I like that we're starting with favorite meats. I like that lamb meat that they like shave off the giant leg of lamb on the spit. The, the gyro meat. The gyro meat. Yes, absolutely love that stuff. Today, we're gonna be talking about digital marketing for 2019. So goal setting, I know everyone's probably well underway in their goal setting for 2019. We're gonna be talking about setting big goals setting big goals and particularly for your marketing, and then when to outsource. So we've got kind of this dual topic today, but the point is we want people to be more effective with their digital marketing. Sometimes that means hiring in-house, sometimes that means outsourcing. Um, part of the pitch here, uh, there's, no, there's not really gonna be a heavy pitch, but part of it <coughs> is uh, Tyler does really good work and they have an awesome agency in town that you could outsource your work to. Um, obviously, Hook Agency is here too. And, but we also want to be real about, you know, there's other things. What else could you do to outsource? What, what's the most cost-effective solution? So we're going to give tools and things like that as well. Um, first, we're going to talk about tools that will help people plan for 2019. Before we get into that, I want to ask you, what's an amazing concert that you went to recently? Yeah, I was trying to think of this, I was trying to think of this answer beforehand. I, I wish you would have asked me this question last December because I went to a lot more concerts last fall. In fact, like the last concert that I went to was last year's uh, New Year's Eve. I went to the Armory. Nice. And I saw Above and Beyond. They're like a trance EDM group. Nice. And uh, yeah, I had a really good time. I'll, uh, I'll tell you a concert that I missed recently. So I was supposed to go to Chromio on Thursday night. I love Chromio. But then I realized later on that it was a, there was a DJ set by the band. And I, I didn't know what that meant, to be honest. I don't know what that means either. So I kind of looked it up and I was like, and plus there was two openers and it ended at 2 2 a.m. and it was a Thursday night, so I was like, I am old. Yes, you are. I saw something recently that was like, I don't know, like POMO or something like that, proud of missing out instead of FOMO. So like, I don't know. Sometimes I just, I'm very happy when something falls through these days because I'm like, I get to rest, I get to do fun work at home. Yeah, there was like, there was this huge Halloween party at the university I attend and a bunch of my friends were trying to get me to go and I was totally content with just not going, staying home and watching Hulu. Sometimes it's just those moments where you're like, you know what, I am not, I, I am not obligated to take this social thing and I'm, I'm super happy with that. Now, how old are you? 27. And I'm old, I'm old as dirt, 32 or 33, but I literally don't know my age. <laughs> um, but the, uh, but the, the, when you get past 30, no one cares. 
if you don't yeah. go to stuff. So that's awesome. You're, you're not cool anymore, but no one cares <clears throat> if you go to stuff, and that's the biggest benefit of it, which I like. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no one cares. Because right now everyone's like, uh, like when you're, you're 25 and 26, and plus 27, 28, you start to not have to go to stuff, but you still kind of feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty about it at all. Yeah, I, 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 I do feel guilty that I didn't go to that Halloween party just a little bit. Yeah. So what are some uh, tools that will help people plan for 2019? Well, I am a fan of the good old-fashioned Excel spreadsheet. I honestly, I think Excel is one of the most underutilized tools that business owners or marketers have at their disposal. So you could do something as simple as like, um, like opening an Excel doc and dropping in like a couple year long goals and then breaking up those goals on different sheets and identifying different strategies that you can use to reach those, those rocks or those smaller goals, if you will. And Excel is super versatile. If you have like Dropbox or Drive, you can simply like input all of your goals into your Excel spreadsheet and upload that Excel spreadsheet to Drive or Dropbox to share with your team. If you're more of like a Google Sheets person, be my guest. I, I'm more of a Microsoft products person, but Google Sheets works just as well. Um, so Excel is really good for organizing and helping you plan out like your 2019 goals. More specifically when it comes to like your marketing goals, Yeah, I like to use SEMrush. Uh, they have a really cool calendar feature where you can like organize and plan out all of your big marketing campaigns so that they're um, like congruent. Each of your marketing campaigns are congruent and you know which nice. content is being pushed on which channel. Yeah, it's super nice. I love that. Yeah, so SEMrush's marketing calendar is really good too. That's amazing. So. I'm gonna throw out two of our own tools here, excuse me. It's uh, One is the marketing calculator, marketing budget calculator, and you can throw in your revenue and throw in your industry and your um, how many staff you have and on marketing, how much percentage of your revenue comes from digital and, and otherwise and it will then spit out a suggestion for our marketing budget. It will also spit out what we'd suggest you spend that on. So like whether it's digital paid ads or SEO and things like that, you can get to that as hookagency.com slash calculator. And then I was just, sorry, I was kind of distracted because I was just making sure that there's a, a redirect here for this that I could say it quickly, which is the ideal marketing plan. It's just a template that it will, it will allow you to copy. It's a Google Doc and it will just, it, it has a bunch of suggestions in there. It also, ooh, this, this is the best part about it. And I stole this from somewhere else. The best part about it is this, is this funnel and it essentially instigates you to create content for every layer of your funnel. That's a good tool. So. It's uh, like, let's say they're not aware of you, aware of you, prospect, and like, the ideal is also creating content for clients you already have, and, and just to help them spend more, or customers you already have, if you're not in digital marketing. So, because obviously, customer lifetime value, getting the, the amount that individual customers and clients spend, uh, spend with you is important, and um, getting it higher. So that's at hookagency.com slash ideal and so it goes besides that content funnel content planner there's a couple other tools in that template that i think are interesting and kind of cool the you know just to give you the kind of like high level in the budget calculator um it talks about 10 percent is like kind of that that offhand number yeah. but for like high cost of goods high cost of service um industries like construction mm -hmm. it might be closer to like four or five percent of your revenue and that's okay because 
yeah, you got to factor in profitability. And if you're in a highly profitable industry, yeah, you want to spend more on, on marketing. Yeah. It makes sense. But if you're in, you know, you're spending 800K of every 1 million that you make on supplies, then marketing is going to be lower. So, yeah. And that, Why? Was, that was at Hook Agency forward slash uh, ideal. Ideal, yep. Hookagency.com slash ideal. Why is planning with big goals important? Because I love big goals, but why is a, setting a big goal important for people planning for 2019? Yeah, I think that in a practical sense, big goals um, help to guide initiatives. So like, for example, say we want to generate just for example, a hundred new clients this year, or we want to generate a um, hundred leads like within this quarter. Big goals will help to direct your your resources and your time. I like to think of big goals as like a lighthouse or like the North Star. They help they help guide you and direct you. Uh, and then when you look at these big goals or you look at your lighthouse or your North Star, you're able to see, all right, am I off track when it comes to like my spending or my time management? And it's able to veer you back onto, you know, the path that you should be on for your business. So that's in a practical sense why I believe that big goals are good. They help direct and guide you, but in a more like idealistic sense, big goals give you something to dream about and hope for with like your team. For example, a, a really good like big goal is Martin Luther King, his like I have a dream speech. His Martin Luther King's big goal was that one day he would see little black children and little white children playing together on the playground. And while that wasn't a reality at the time, it gave like both MLK and like the civil rights movement the fuel that they needed to press onward. So it helps to like keep your heart passionate, if you will. So big goals are good in both like a practical sense and an idealistic sense in guiding you and, and motivating you. So, like we were talking about, small business in particular, sometimes we need to outsource. Sometimes we need to make the decision to use contractors or subcontractors, things like that. Whether you're in construction, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in any kind of small business, a startup. Mm -hmm. Tyler helps startups make more money by increasing their traffic and leads to their site and make, making them awesome websites. It's important to think about what we should outsource and what we should insource. What should we, what should we spend, you know, that 20% of the, the effort that makes the biggest difference. That's the stuff we need in house. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to take some of that 80% that like, can be done 80% as well as we did it or as our team did it and have it outside of the business. So what is appropriate and how can you get more out of your 2019 marketing budget with outsourcing? Yeah, I would say um, one way that you can get more out of your 2019 marketing budget is by being strategic and thinking long-term um, rather than short-term. So for example, a lot of companies, when they are looking to outsource, they are looking for a, a quick fix, almost. They're looking for um, instant gratification, a, a quick fix to their problem, which is all, all good and fine, but quick fixes don't develop long-term relationships with other individuals or other companies, strategic partners. So I would say when it comes to outsourcing, you need to be, be strategic and that is one way that you can get more out of outsourcing. Another way is through hiring 
the right contractors or freelancers or agencies. Um, not all contractors, freelancers, agencies are created equal. They have different competencies, different skill sets, different yeah. people. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw, I appreciate that point because if you hire somebody who's really specialized in a particular area, like let's say they're really good, I've seen this over and over and over again, they're really good with Google Ads, and you hire them to do your SEO, so your content marketing and other things, you get bad, bad products and bad, bad service. Because, And I'm not saying they, they can't do both, but a lot of these companies are super specialized in paid ads and they don't, they wouldn't know how to get more organic traffic if it slapped them in the face. Hmm. You know, so it's super important to recognize where a company or where a contractor is specialized in. Yeah. And to when you identify where they're specialized in, don't necessarily assume that they're really good at everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, an another thing, another, another way that you guys can get more out of outsourcing is by looking at the areas of your business that you're not good at and outsourcing those areas. Um, for example, marketing. Not, um, there, there are businesses that don't have a strong competency in marketing or even like SEO, Google ads, web design. And so instead of taking on those responsibilities in-house, uh, you can outsource to someone who's specialized and they can do that job more efficiently and more effectively. I, I think I would actually argue that if you like withhold from outsourcing things that you're not good at, it could potentially be costing you money. Oh, it definitely. And even is. like hurting your own business. Oh, for because sure. Because it's forcing you to divide your attention between like something that you're good at and something that you're not good at. Yeah, and I always just think of people, um, just real quick before we move on from that topic, I always think of people that are sitting there, like for instance, you do your own website, whether it's on like Squarespace or WordPress. Squarespace is great if you if you're like real small and you have to do it, right? But there's that point where you spending 100 to 150 hours getting your thing up and making it good because part of the problem is you don't have confidence that it's gonna be good. You could really botch it. You could make your company look stupid. Yeah. So that's one thing. Don't make your company look stupid. Don't shoot your company in the foot and, and make it hard for your company to grow if you do what you do what you do well, and let's say you you're paid well, let's say you're making a good chunk of money for every hour that you work, why spend four hours on something for that hour that a professional could do? Maybe it's even more. Like maybe it's even quicker that a professional could do it. Why why waste that time when you could be out there making money? and you could pay a professional to do it and get a better result and be more confident about it. So, and that goes for other things besides web design. We're not the only industry. And I think of that with it when it comes to other things that I'm not good at. Yeah. It's, it's professionalism. It's understanding that there are professionals. Professional, I wouldn't remodel my house. Yeah, no. I mean, personally, I'm not gonna do that. So I would hire a professional to do that. Or like, I was even gonna bring up the example of accounting or like bookkeeping. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, a lot of business business owners, they're not particularly competent in that area and so they'll outsource it to like, I don't know, bench or something. That's Some super, super good. Yeah. And I've seen people, I've seen a client of ours do that to great effect this past year. And actually, the funny thing was is, you know, we did okay for them on marketing and they increased their revenue and whatever. You know, they increased the revenue like 10% and, you know, we believe we had something to do with that, but they're, the biggest move that they made this last year is hiring a company to do some of that admin work, and I'm the one that referred that admin work to them. Um, if you, I think it was like eight podcasts or, ago or something, I had somebody on from an awesome construction company admin um, company, and they, they hired them, mm -hmm. and that was one of the biggest moves. So he's super grateful to me that he hired that that awesome 
company to handle his admin, to handle his invoices, to handle his accounting. And that's been the biggest thing for him because he was spending an extra five hours every single night working on admin work that he didn't enjoy, that he was bad at, and that he, like, he was losing money off of it. So it's like, sometimes that can be so powerful and have a compounding effect on your business because then you're freed up to do the things that you actually enjoy. You're freed up to get more energized. You're freed up to, like when you're doing the work, you're more, you've got more essential energy to push towards that thing. I do want to pivot and get into five powerful things to do for 2019. If I was to only do five things, and I'm gonna talk through them with me, I wanna get your yep. opinion on these things. I wanna share this in the podcast form because I know some of you don't watch all my videos and are gonna only consume this in audio format. So I do have a video about this, but I wanna share it here. So I'm gonna go over five of the most powerful ways to spend your marketing budget this year. And I'll be honest, some of these aren't us. Mm -hmm. There's other powerful ways to spend your marketing budget. We're not the only thing. Digital marketing is not the only thing. And the first thing I want to suggest is, is uh, event marketing and influencers. So I'm not necessarily that gung-ho on influencers for small business. Sure. But I think if you can do a combination move of events plus smaller level industry influencers, and you can use them to get out the crowd, and you can use them like in particularly, let's say you hire three people or five people, or you bring in five people in your industry that people care about in your area, that people that will actually bring out the crowds a little bit, that's a powerful way to use influencers as part of a event marketing stack. So event marketing and influencers. Yeah, I like to think of <clears throat> influencer marketing is kind of like word of mouth marketing on steroids because like you have a like a segment of people or a group of people and within that group of people there is the influencer who is able to to reach and speak into the lives of everyone in the group. So essentially, if you reach that influencer, you are essentially reaching the group as well. So it's influencer marketing is like word of mouth on steroids. And I think I, I had word of mouth like as my number one listed to-do item for 2019 marketing because it's, it's always so much more powerful when someone refers like a business to their friend, like, yeah, I went to this new coffee shop, it's called Bachelor Farmer, it's right over there, it's super awesome. That is so much more effective than Bachelor Farmer saying how awesome they are and how they have amazingly good coffee. Word of mouth, I think, is super under underutilized, and, it and it's in, free. And it goes hand in hand with, like in that particular one, it can go hand in hand with digital marketing. So for instance, yeah. My buddy kept telling me how comfortable his Allbird shoes were. And so, and I saw him and I liked the look of them. And then Instagram ads hit me. Word of mouth plus Instagram. You know what I mean? So like it's, and I'll be honest, like I think for products, Instagram is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Cause you're, you're in a visual mode. You're in a relaxed, I'll be honest. It's kind of like consumer mode. When you go into Instagram, you're just kind of, you're consuming those, those videos or texts or sorry videos or pictures yeah. and you've got this kind of this mindset of you're kind of relaxed and then you know you're you're just and then you see a product you like especially if it's aesthetic it's a lot easier to just click through to that versus like i don't know other modes of being in social media like facebook i'm kind of in either like family or maybe yeah. i'm going to see a political thing or something like that it's not to me it's not as persuasive of an environment for consuming and being a consumer. Yeah. I think Instagram is one of those really, like if I was into products and we, we don't do a ton of e-commerce, but if I was really into that, then I would think Instagram, Instagram would be the place to spend it. So number two, paid search, expanded exact match keywords. So 
I love paid search when you keep it tight. I hate paid search when you're spending all your money because it's just, Google, if you pop stuff into paid search, Google Ads, used to be Google AdWords. If you pop your keyword phrase in there, let's say you're, you know, you're golf course in Minnetonka. If you pop golf course Minnetonka in there, it's gonna expand out to all kinds of crazy stuff. Golf balls Minnetonka, golf clubs, you know, like stuff that I don't really want to bring into my shop or my our course. Yeah. So, and I don't have a golf uh, course in Minnetonka, but you know what I'm saying. So, it's gonna expand outward into infinity and spend all my money very quickly for stuff that I don't actually want. But expanded exact match allows you to do your keyword, and this is the format you put it in: keyword plus other terms plus you know you plus between the words or plus after each word, it allows it to say, all of these words need to be present in the search, but they don't all have to be in the same order sure. is what I'm putting them in. So I need golf and course to be in there and I need Minnetonka to be in there. And thus anything with golf course and Minnetonka, even if they throw in um, golf course on a lake in Minnetonka, it's still gonna show up. So the point is, is that you want to spend money on paid search because it's powerful. People are looking for you on Google. Mm -hmm. It's good to spend money there, but you want to make it tight enough so that it doesn't spend your money so willy nilly. And Google's really good at spending money. It's really good at spending your money. It's really good at taking your yeah, money. Yeah, I, <clears throat> um, to your point, like about how when you're on Facebook, you're you're in a, like family mode or like maybe political mode. When people are like going to Google, they are typically in they're they're in search mode. They're they have a problem essentially, and they are searching for an answer to their problem. And that's why like paid search and search ads are so effective because you're reaching people who are further down the funnel. They're more aware of the problems that they have, obviously because they're searching. Um, and to the point of like expanded mat, what was it? Expanded match keywords? Expanded exact yeah. match. Yep. I, I see a lot of people and myself included when I first like started advertising on Google, I see a lot of people that get enamored with like, Oh, this is how many impressions we generated. And yeah. this is how many dollars we've spent. And this is how many clicks we've generated. Yeah. It doesn't, those those metrics are all irrelevant if like I own a golf course yeah. and um, like people are searching for golf balls and my ads are appearing. Yeah. I'm trying to sell them on like a much larger purchase so when one, they're not one thing, exactly looking for that. So like I didn't have this an exact, expanded exact match and it was uh, just on regular kind of like regular Google ads and it was serving us up for a talent agency Minneapolis, we're not a talent agency man. Yeah. Yeah. Don't spend my money on talent agency stuff So that's why it's so important to get it tight You know, there's all there's all kinds of examples where you can be spending money on stuff that people and I was looking in there There's clicks. Yeah, there's clicks people were my my ads all say like digital marketing and they all say Minneapolis web design and they all say Minneapolis SEO. They don't say talent agency anywhere, but people are still clicking. So they're and, still spending and, my money. Yeah. Google's still charging you. And that's, that's money down the drain. Yep. Search engine optimization and heavy duty content pieces. You and I are both pretty gung ho about search engine optimization. So why is content crucial and not just a nice to have these days? The old adage goes that content is king. So first of all, content is good for simply helping people. Uh, like I said, when people go to search engines, they typically have a problem and they're looking for a solution. And so search engine optimization coupled with like good content writing, good content marketing is incredibly helpful for that prospect or that like potential buyer that that could be interested in your company. One thing that I wanted to say like when it comes to 
and this is one thing that my agency is trying to implement in 2019, is getting better at publishing more engaging long-form content. Because I know, I know that um, headlines within like the first three to five spots on a Google search engine results page have roughly about 2,000 words. So longer form content tends to outperform shorter form content. And it's just more comprehensive and more helpful. And that's one thing that I know that you guys are really good at is like publishing really comprehensive, really good, engaging long form content. Yeah, one of the little bit more specific SEO tactics that I've gotten into this past year is doubling down on what works. So like, I almost think of writing content, we write content a lot too. We put out, you know, a good 10 blog posts a month. And it's what I'd call expensive keyword research. Cause then we see what works, right? We see what works for blog posts and then we double down on the ones that worked. Cause now it's time to just own that topic. You know what I mean? Once we get up there for, you know, a couple keywords that are high intent, that people are looking for us at that point, then let's make it even bigger. And one, you know, for us is, you know, niching into construction, it's very much about the niche. How do we create more content around that niche? How do we push on that? We know it worked. We know these five, 10 blog posts in the construction niche have driven a lot of traffic for us. So how can we double down on that? How can we make those posts better? And then build out again, resources, kind of shoulder topics, things that are kind of along the same lines, but maybe not exactly the same, because it's easier to, to increase a lead than to go back and try to make all the stuff that didn't work, work. So it's like increasing the lead that you have, like finding the leads that you have on your website. And it's very easy to do in Search Console. Google Search Console is super powerful. What we do is we sort by impressions, see things that are getting a ton of impressions, but maybe not as many clicks. So it's very easy to sort by impressions in Google Search Console. Yeah. And then we look for stuff that's in the spots, seven through 15. So that's the bottom of page one and the top of page two. And then we we create more content for those posts. So we'll, we'll increase the amount of content and we'll also target those pages for more backlinks. Yep. So when we're writing for some other website, making sure that we link back to that resource and that's extremely powerful. And I, I'm going to kind of skip over paid social here because we are, I already mentioned the Allbirds ad. I think you guys understand this is where the eyeballs are. If you're not, if you're not, a, if you're a product and you're not using paid social, you're crazy. But I think even services, particularly for remarketing. Ooh, that's my next one. I keep on skipping ones. So, but paid ads is, is on social, it's super powerful, especially when you're in products and pivoting into remarketing. Um, remarketing is one of the things that I see a lot of small businesses. We, we handle organic for people. We handle, we write blogs for them, get links back to their sites and stuff like that. But yeah. I wish I could make them all do remarketing and not all of them are doing it because there's, you know what I mean? Like remarketing is incredibly powerful. If somebody's come to your website, why not hit them all over the web with ads to come back? Why not remind them? Because if they've already come to your site once, they're probably an okay prospect and like your cost per click is so much lower for somebody that's already seen your brand and is coming back. Yeah, actually, uh, this is just kind of like beside the point, but after I saw that you had on the Allbirds, yeah. I went out and I put that on my Christmas list. Yes! I, I really, yeah. yeah, they do a really good job at marketing. They look super comfortable. And I'll be yeah. honest, I'm a, I, <clears throat> I'm an Allbirds, like, I guess, ambassador, ambassador now because <laughs> that's the third person that's bought Allbirds off of like me. Actually, never mind, I gave a pair away and then bought a new pair. So that's four. I've affected four people. And it's so funny because that's that word of mouth thing. How mm -hmm. powerful is that? And I don't want to like even just marketing in general. Like I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole this because it's whatever gets the word out. It's whatever. So 
if there was a zombie apocalypse tomorrow, how would we get the word out? We'd go to the middle of the city. We might have a megaphone, but probably not because, you know, the zombies. So <laughs> uh, we'd maybe hand out pieces of paper and we, we'd um, get little, you know, campfire meetings going. However you get the word out. That's what I, like, figuring out what those things are. And that's why it's so important to, to have data to make lists of where people came from this past year for you and then increase those tactics. How can you take the two or three things that got you clients and customers this past year and increase those tactics by 2x or 3x? Sometimes it's not going paid social and remarketing and my next thing is geo-targeted ads. Maybe it's not doing that stuff. Maybe it's I, trade shows, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's trade shows, maybe it's whatever. I, I like ads that you can serve to a particular area, particularly for social, uh, for, excuse me, local providers, social um, service providers, that's what I was going for, for service providers. But what has been working for you? What are your, like, what has been, what, where have you gotten your most clients? Is it word of mouth this past year? Yeah, for, yeah, it's mainly been, word of mouth referrals and like through events. That's amazing. So for Tyler, he should double down on that stuff too. Yeah. He should double down on what's working. And for me, yeah, it's referrals. I've got 60% of our clients that have come in from referrals and that's powerful. What am I doing to increase that? So this, this was about digital marketing, but to me it's doubling down on what's working for 2019 because we yeah. all got to set giant goals, big, hairy, audacious goals and then do whatever it takes to get there. And also sometimes the other thing that I like about setting big, hairy, audacious goals, setting big goals for 2019 is that I ask myself the question, what would I have to do to get there? What would I have to do? So sometimes I ask scary, I throw out scary goals, ones that make no sense. Yeah. What would I have to do you know, double the goal and cut the time in half and then look at it and say, what would I have to do? So what's your, like, uh, whisper to me, what's your goal for 2019? <clears throat> so what if you did double that in half the amount of time by July 1? So what if you did double that by July 1? I did that same exercise with me and our team uh -huh. and said, and I asked the question, what would we have to do? Because it might be insane. Give me, don't get me wrong here. I'm not telling you to like, to get hurt yourself about it and get mad at yourself about it. What I'm telling you to say is like, inspire yourself by saying, what would I have to do? That question and bullet pointing, if I was to do that, these are the things I would have to do. Yeah. And once you have those things, though, that can inspire you. Like, it's going to make it a lot more likely. If you do those things that you would have to do to do that, it's going to definitely make you more likely to hit that end of the year goal, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So that's a powerful tactic, I think. Double it, cut the time in half, and write out what you'd have to do to get that. And it's probably different stuff. You know what I mean? It's like a completely different tactic, right? And for us, you know, a big piece of that was we have to be more valuable to the people that we're working with already. Mm -hmm. We need to double or triple the value that we're providing. The amount, for me, that, that's not a crazy, esoteric, weird thing, value. To me, value is like, we need to do more stuff. We need to, to identify the things that are most likely to get them leads and most likely to get them traffic and most likely to get them attention. And we need to double that quantity of things. And we need to change the things a bit to be the things that are most likely to do that. So for us, it's like trying to figure out how to add video and add podcasts to our SEO stuff, like figuring out how to add stuff. Um, and if you double the value to those clients, if you double the deliverables, if you double that stuff, like, you're starting to make yourself more um, more valuable. So what could you do to make your service even, what? So this is another question. So it's how would you hit that goal in half the time, double that goal in half the time, first of all, that's a that's crazy. That's a great question. That's a good question. And another great question is, 
what would you do in your service that would make people pay three times what they're paying you now? What, what kind of service are you offering at that point? And I think that, you know, it's one of the things for sure is the equivalent of bedside manner. You know, as entrepreneurs and small businesses, we're often doing this thing where, you know, we're rushing from one thing to the next and not slowing down to really be present with a client or a customer of ours. Yeah. And it's making them feel good and making them feel like the most important thing in the world. <clears throat> and it's, it is definitely increasing that level of service, increasing those level, that level of deliverables. But because that onboarding time or that time spent with each customer that's not value producing, like, like you're not producing, like I'm saying like, we're not creating deliverables in that 30% yeah. of, of client management time or customer, I'm thinking about these other businesses that are watching this, that customer, that, that customer time that's just not creating value, it's definitely nice, nice to have. It's nice to make people feel good and it's nice to have those phone calls and make and educate along the way and whatever else. But each client requires that 30% of the time that's doing that. So then it's about creating the, more value for each customer so that more of the time is spent on value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That reminded me of um, like when it comes to service-based businesses, one of my good friends, Giles Uhlenhop from Black Hills IP, gave me some advice when I was starting my agency. And this, this same principle applies for any service-based business. You're not selling a service so much as you're selling trust. And trust is cultivated through like multiple touch points, multiple face-to-face -face meetings. And so, I don't know, just you talk about I love that. that. Oh yeah. my God, that's so good. So those are, that's super important because when we're a service-based business, it's invisible. Yeah. Like for you and I, the closest thing to visible is the websites that we've Here's previously done. Yes, yeah. look at these designs that we have done previously. But a lot of what we're doing is somewhat invisible. They can't see what it would look like for them yet. Yeah. And so it's completely invisible. So all's, all the rest of the clues about uh, like, you know, the, if we've won any awards, any credentials we have, any, um, you know, the way we talk about ourselves, the visuals on our website, those are the closest things they can get to it. Now, the same goes for, you know, I was thinking about construction companies. You can talk about startups, but construction companies, the closest thing they have is pictures of previous work. But we have to make the visible, the invisible visible. So for service providers, making the invisible visible in different ways, that's trust factors on the website. That's the way we talk about ourselves. That's the way we communicate and how we make them feel. Two great books on that, just for anyone that wants to read more about that. One is called The Trust Edge. Super, super good book that's all about communicating and building trust. And another one is Selling the Invisible. And that's by a local Minnesota guy who talks a lot about that, how to make the invisible more visible um, and the power of that and how, <clears throat> how to sell that, even though as service providers, they can't see what they're going to get. Yeah. yeah. And when it comes to startups, again, like the same principle, it's selling trust. Um, you know, whether whether it be your service-based business or a product-based business, instead of sending an email, um, pick up the phone and call that investor or, or, or call that investment firm. Even better yet than calling them, actually go and meet like face-to-face, -face. have face-to-face -face time with your investors. It all goes back to the trust piece because we, we don't do business with people that we do not trust. We do business with people that we know and that we trust. And the more like face-to-face -face time that you can have with investors, clients, whatever it might be, potential employees, uh, ultimately that's all gonna go back and be good for your, your startup in the long run. I love that. 
trying to find new ways to get people to trust us, trying to make sh make sure that we understand that that's, you know, when you're buying something, you want to trust that it's quality. When you're it's, buying a service, you want to understand that it's quality. So when you want to read a piece of content, you want to trust that it's quality. It's so like, oh, it's yeah. trying to figure that stuff out. And I was talking about this before we did the podcast. I just, I didn't maybe mention this, but I just read through the search quality evaluators guidelines that Google puts out. Mm -hmm. It talks about subject matter experts and how to determine if somebody is indeed a subject matter expert. And if this content is created by an organization that's an expert, that's trusted in its field, that goes to Google reviews, it goes to like, they, they tell the quality evaluators to go to Better Business Bureau and see what they're rated to look for signs of scamminess. <clears throat> Just like a human would, right? And and that, and then they incorporate that kind of stuff in their algorithm. They'll devalue a site if it's poor quality. So all this plays to that. And I was just talking about how including more credentials in the author box um, on your articles is powerful. And figuring out ways to show track record, to show case studies and percentages of real numbers of things that have increased in certifications and things like that is can be powerful. So I'm excited to tr maybe try to do that more on our author boxes for ourselves yeah. and our clients' websites to get that trust quicker, not only for people that are going to be their customers, but people that are going to spend seven minutes to read their blog post. Yeah. Because yes, we do want people to spend longer on your website. So if we can create that trust up top to say, the person responsible for this content has these credentials. That can be powerful as well. Yeah, I actually, I bought a book recently from somebody that I believed to be credible and trustworthy. And as I was reading the book, um, there was just a lot of like grammatical errors and a lot of spelling errors. Who is this, Rustam? They're not gonna watch this podcast. I <laughs> It's uh, Jason Swank with, uh, yeah, I think he does like consulting and stuff. I, I bought his book and it was like $25. So it was, you know, a little bit higher price than a normal book. Um, but yeah, there was just like tons of grammatical Get an errors. editor, people. <laughs> yeah, no, and then I tweeted that about him. <laughs> yeah, and that's so funny because I don't edit, I don't have an editor on my blog posts. I did have an editor on my book though. That's, that's uh, good. Yeah. Editing is so important. So important. I'm a little less gung-ho on it for my blog posts, but. <laughs> yeah, but no, I like reached out to him and there was also some other like. Like what? Some other bigger issues of like. I wanna hear it. Of like plagiarism and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was copied and pasted from stuff. Well, uh, yeah, so. Because I like this guy that you're talking about. I like, I like him too, which is why I was really disappointed. That's funny. But. Yeah, there was like one chapter where he lists out this uh, this framework that this other marketer named Donald Miller laid out. Like oh, the story. Yeah, the uh, SB Seven framework. What is it? What story is it? brand. Talk to me about it. The story let's, brand. Let's plagiarize it right now. <laughs> so I don't know like all of the like seven points of the story brand yeah. framework like offhand, but basically it's the idea of creating, not creating a narrative, but identifying your ideal customer's narrative and inserting yourself or your business, your product, whatever, into that narrative. Because a lot of organizations, they like to make themselves the hero or the centerpiece of their narrative. Uh, and consumers don't care about that. They want to be the center of the narrative. They want to be the hero. And so, organizations need to become better at positioning themselves as like a guide to the hero within the narrative. So for example, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Organization, yeah, Obi -Wan, yeah. Yeah, organizations need to think of themselves more as like Obi-Wan Kenobi than Luke Skywalker. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses think of themselves as Luke Skywalker and not Obi-Wan. And so that's kind of like the general, that's powerful. That's kind of like the general gist. Of that's the, super right powerful. Now. I think I just got chills. It might've been the Red Bull, but I'm not sure. I, this is my second one and I'm feeling, I'm feeling nice. Nice. 
I gotta say, I really enjoyed this conversation with you today. Yeah, man. It's been, I think, a useful one for our audience. So I thank you for coming in. Um, where can people find you online? People can find me online. Well, they can find my agency at 8bitrex.com. We're on social. We are everywhere on social. We, I, we, we love social media, and so we're on there a lot. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Not Google Plus, though, because Google Plus is getting shut down. So just tell them to search, so they should search 8BitRex? Yeah, go to Google, type in 8BitRex, and- I mean, like, search on the social things, or what's the handle? It's 8-BitRex. Sweet. Yeah. And so I know that people would be interested in what you got going on right now. Could you give them a little bit about what you're up to and how your agency could be of service? Yeah, so I have two things. First is a piece of content that we put together that I'm really proud of and I want to share it with you guys. And the second is a deal that we have going on uh, till the end of the year, so December 31st for new clients. So the first piece of, uh, the, the piece of content is me and Tim actually did a growth hackathon about a month ago and I was trying to look for a piece of content like a blog or something that told me how to run a successful marketing campaign. Long story short, I couldn't find one that was adequate and so I made one and wrote about it and then me and my partner also created an Excel uh, template for you to implement those uh, concepts like written awesome. about in the blog post. So that's at 8bitrex.com forward slash successful marketing campaign. And then right now we also have a deal going on for new clients that sign on with us. Um, we do like a, a point-based flat fee service. So we don't charge clients by the hour. We, we charge them based on flat fee services. And right now we're offering 10 points, which is essentially worth $1,200 of free marketing services to clients that sign up for a retainer with us before December 31st. So that's nice. That's 10 free hours essentially of marketing work that can go towards your business if you sign a contract with us before December 31st. Yeah, and I want to say uh, I've referred several, several clients to you guys because I believe that for the price and what you guys offer that there's just a ton of value in your guys' mm -hmm. agency. So if you guys are looking for an agency that's focused on startups yep. and small businesses that can really do some great work but isn't crazy expensive, 8BitRex yep. is the ones. And I love doing this podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And check out the show notes at hookagency.com slash podcast dash 27. And of course, check us out at hookagency.com and Hook Agency all over the interwebs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And join us next time for the next episode of It's a Code World. Bye. Join us next time for It's a Code World, bringing you experts in digital marketing and helping small to mid-sized businesses be more professional. It means the world to us if you could take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes at hookagency.com slash iTunes. 